This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. Welcome back to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. I'm Catherine Hayes. I'm the Executive Director of the Wharton Future of Advertising Program, and I'm joined here in the studio today by Mark and Cheryl Burgess. They're the co-authors of The Social Employee, so our show today has been all about The Social Employee, and they've been kind enough to reach out into their network and to um, bring us some of the folks who have uh, collaborated with them on the book uh, and who've talked a little bit about the book in in terms of uh, participating in the foreword and the afterword, Um, and so we're very pleased now to welcome Kevin Randall. He's a writer and a brand strategy consultant. His work's been in Vanity Fair, New York Times. The Economist, kind of a who's who of the wonderful uh, publications out there. So we're really pleased to have you with us today, Kevin. Well, thank you very much, Catherine. It's great to be here. Um, and so I, you also have you have a brand consultancy, right? Correct. And what kinds of companies do you work with? Uh, pretty much across the board, right? Yeah. Um, in in my brand consulting uh, past, I worked for Interbrand. A lot of that was consumer brand identity work. Over the last decade or so, I've been working more on the B2B and healthcare side. Mm-hmm. But now on my own, um, I've worked for a leading space company. Um, and yeah, so it straddles B2B and B2C with some healthcare mixed in. Fantastic. So it's wonderful that you can sort of bring us some experience a- across the board. I know we had a caller earlier who talked about it. And in fact, um, I do want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you have a question for Kevin or Cheryl or Mark, please do give us a call. It's one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 942 7866 So uh, you are a branding guy. Um, how do Can you just give us your perspective on how you see branding and brand strategies relating to sort of this notion of social employee uh, advocacy? Well, yes. You know, I come at it with maybe a different perspective than, um, you know, Mark and Cheryl a little bit, or maybe Tom Peters, maybe David Edelman. Um, I am a believer in brand and the power of brands to change, you know, the world. Um, You know, some millennials might might agree with me. Um, <laughs> but I think that social employee um, advocacy, the effectiveness of this, of that is based on the strength of, of the brand. In other words, those programs need to be built off of a strategy. Mm. Now, so even the, uh, the power of brand and brand value, maybe they'll, maybe they'll say business strategy or having a great product is important or an organizing principle or a great culture, whatever you want to call it, the brand word or business strategy, I think you know, the, the programs, the tools, the, the advocacy programs of that foundation. Um, so, but if, if they're built just based on, you know, if, if, if social, if the programs are, you know, siloed in social media and they're run within social media and that's not integrated into a strategy or into the overall operation, I don't think the chances of success are going to be as good. That's actually a, a really good point. I think we've been talking, you know, focusing in today on the social employee and how to get them engaged, but that's certainly not uh, an end in itself or, or by any stretch of the imagination, the starting point. It's, to your point, um, very important to have this, uh, a foundation in brand 
what the actual brand value is and, and that uh, yeah, as, as a starting point. Another point, point. again, yeah, I'm sort of a purist. I've drank the brand Kool-Aid. <laughs> I believe that a brand, in essence, is a relationship between the company and the customer or a promise or, or an experience. It's more than a product or an ad or a name. You're cutting out a little bit. I'm just... The employees um, are really powerful agents to, to create value. I mean, remember, uh, it costs nothing um, for an employee to spread the good word versus, you know, all the money we, we pour into outbound marketing activities. Um, and then when that employee can personify it, um, you know, help the company to build awareness, represent the attributes of the positioning, provide information, maybe help further the sale, you know, deliver the offering, solve a problem. I mean, that that really amplifies the, you know, effect of of the position and you know think how many times you know whether it's a southwest airlines or a, or a disney or starbucks when you're there when you're in that experience you know offering or um in that world you know how often do you you remark wow they're they do it gives me more confidence and i want to go there i want to buy the coffee i i like flying southwest um and you assume that they're not just being forced to advocate or promote. I mean, that they're buying in, you know, spiritually, mentally, you know, with their heart. So that's it. That makes me want to buy from them as, as a customer. Yeah, I just want to say one thing. Um, so Kevin has, we wanted to say too, Kevin was the, or is the book's um, afterward author and speaks about um, Southwest Airlines and how they believe in um, you know, tying into the brand's heart, mind, and soul. Kevin, why don't you talk a little bit more about um, some of the things you do and some of your thinking on um, employee net promoter score and some of the research behind that because that was something you mentioned in the afterward and something that I think a lot of listeners would like to hear more about on measurement and um, the ROI, because when it really comes down um, at the end, um, end of the day, people really want to have facts in front of them and how to make your employees happy. So, um, but oh, just before I start, just to your point too, um, and this is for the listeners out there, um, the book is a social business book. It's not just social employees in regards to social media. So there are people, process, technologies in place to provide seamless integration of communication and brand awareness. So um, going back, Kevin, to talk about um, what you were discussing um, in the afterward about some of the exciting things that Southwest Airline has done, done and how they've translated that. Could you tell us about that and then also about your employee net promoter score? Sure, sure. And, and you know, Cheryl knows I love the example of Southwest and glad that that was highlighted in the book. Um, you know, and Southwest, you know, if, if you think about it, they invented employee branding. I mean, they've been doing this stuff since the late 60s. I mean, the, the, the company's business is based on treating employees right, taking care of them, making them happy. And I think the, you know, the founder reasoned that if you, you know, turn the pyramid upside down, serve employees, treat them like customers, make them feel good, reward them, that they're going to take care of customers. And then those customers will come back for more and, and take care of our shareholders. So it's this virtuous cycle. It's a win-win-win across the board. 
Uh, I think with the advent of social media, and the, the book does a great job of detailing um, some of the approaches and challenges um, that, uh, that Southwest has taken on, that just gives them opportunity to to really blow out and, and extend the power of, of their brand and really live values. I mean, I'm, I'm in the trenches trying to get CEOs to understand the power of brand. Southwest has, has understood it for decades. Um, and the, the, the exciting thing is for them, it's not just, it's not about a brochure, an ad or a, a pretty slogan. It's about em, employees really buying into understanding, leaving in, the brand value, activating it through their actions, through their behaviors, through their attitudes. Um, so it's, there are a lot of great anecdotes that Gerald Mark have, have pulled into the book. So one of the things, Cheryl, you are the one who sort of brought up, brought up this net promoter score. Can you just um, define what a net promoter score is, and then we'll get back sure. to Kevin? Well, I think um, so. Basically, net promoter score is what um, it, it really helps um, executives get a better understanding of how consumers feel, and and that relates back to their um, their own. Pr- promotions it ties into the raises and ties into everything it's not something that's shared with the public it's more for internal employee net promoter score is something i i'd like kevin to talk to more about because that's where we're really getting a sense of are the employees happy how do we make our employees happy again internal information but yet very relevant information Great. Um, well, bef- before we get back to that, Mark, I wanted to just ask mm-hmm. you, um, we we're talking about Southwest Airlines. Right. They've been around for a while. That's been their mantra. Um, we've known about mm-hmm. that and they're a fantastic customer service, how it's affected all of their, um, uh, how they work with employees. Why aren't, and I'll, and I'll ask uh, Kevin as well, mm-hmm. why aren't more executives drinking the Kool-Aid and, <laughs> and getting on Great board question. with this? Well, I think the biggest factor is probably the risk, right? I mean, it's the whole idea you can mess up and make a mistake and uh, that could have kind of lasting, uh, you know, implications. So, but what we like to, one of the, the great, great things we found is that, that employees look to their leaders to be social. So we have, a, a, I think, a good analogy we use. We call it the player coach model. So right. basically, you know, you can be an executive and you can give the marching orders and tell people what to do, and that's fine. But as it relates to social, if you are out there, if you are on the field, you're not just calling in the plays, but you are tweeting, you're blogging, and there's tremendous feedback where employees will say, look at that, my executive is taking a position, he's out there in social media, and they feel really engaged and energized about their, about their executives. So I think the overwhelming opportunity overshadows the risk. And we always also like to say, if you're an executive and you can't say something good about your brand in 140 characters, you may be in the wrong job. <laughs> yes, I think Tom Pierce would absolutely agree with you on that one. Kevin, how, how about in your experience? I mean, I, I'm not sure if you heard what I mentioned before, which is that, you know, Southwest has been a fantastic example for so long in terms of its relationship with its employees and the, the importance it places. Why are more execs uh, not doing that? And why? What, what kind of obstacles do you come across as you're talking with, with executives? Um, you know, I think that... The foundation that they've built has taken taken decades, and mm-hmm. um, you know, as as Mark said, 
you know, I think it's really important, you know, getting back to the original point about social media strategy and, and social tools need to work off of a foundation. In absence of that foundation, that business strategy or the organizing principle or the brand, um, you know, I think I, I think executives aren't don't really have direction on, you know, uh, you know, to what extent they can they can sort of freelance and, you know, if they really need to be, you know, I talk a lot and advise clients about the importance of executives, C-level, CMO, and, and cross-functional executives really understand under, understanding and buying into the, the brand positioning and the brand strategy. And it's so clear that rank and file as well as executives at Starbucks and Southwest understand that. But I think asking for an executive at a company that isn't, maybe that doesn't have a cohesive mm-hmm. brand strategy or their, or their siloed, um, I think the it's as Mark alluded to it's um, it's it's a lower risk to do nothing than to stick your neck out and talk about you know the company's direction. In theory, that's the perception yeah. is that there's lower risk. Yeah, um, except if you're competing for employees with firms who have a, yeah. a, a different uh, a different mantra. So um, I know Cheryl broached the subject before, but and and maybe this is one aspect of it. What what kind of research have you seen or done around the notion of the impact of uh, social business? Um, and this kind of engagement of employees, and how are how are companies measuring it? How are they how are they looking at the numbers? Yeah, Cheryl mentioned in terms of research. You know, I do work with Net Promoter Score, and I don't know if, if uh, you know. If you could just explain it quickly, that would be great. Sure, sure. Um, basically, it's you know online survey feedback with customers and our employees essentially looking at how likely would you be to recommend this company as a, as a customer or from an employee perspective, would you recommend this as a place to a friend or colleague to work? Um, and I mentioned the, you know, the, the, the virtuous cycle. I mean, you can, you can, you can see the potential, um, you know, people talk about an engaged or a loyal or a passionately advocate, um, um, jazzed, employee is going to lead to more of the same of those customers. Well, there's a lot of good data, um, a lot of good data correlating, um, you know, high growth and high profitability for these high net promoter scores. Mm. Um, You know, GE invested a lot into this and even compensated certain executives based on how high are their department's customer net promoter scores, Chick-fil-A and and uh, enterprise car rental sort of pioneered this area, um, but a, but a newer development or offshoot of that is um, asking is is turning it back on the employee to just to so the company can sort of get a, a read on how engaged how much how engaged ah. employees are in, in advocating Apple as a place to work. Got it. Um, so and you know and Jeff and Melt says you know it's not it's not all about getting the highest score, but it's about learning from those detractors, the negative scores, how we can how we can assess and fix those things. And so it often serves as a vehicle to bring different departments together to solve problems. Um, so there so there's a lot of good uh, you know good data on that. 
Um, I think Mark and Cheryl probably saw, I mean, there's more stuff, there's more data on happy employees equal happy customers and so forth. I saw something, um, you know, the, the largest Fortune 100 companies only had 3% revenue growth, but uh, the, the, the ones that were the best to work for had 30% mm-hmm. revenue growth. So I think people are starting to, you know, connect the dots. Well, how, but, you know, how do you create this engaged, happy workforce? It's interesting, you know, we mentioned Apple. Um, you know, Apple also, they're very hush-hush about some of their, you know, strategies to, to recruit and to retain and to, to motivate employees. But they, they also use something called NPP. It's Net Promoter for People. Um, and essentially, they've got a two-track process of assessing um, for the retail stores anyway. And by the way, they're removing the term store because uh, yes. and, which actually is indicative of, of them moving away from products into the, into experience, which is sort of supports this conversation. But yeah. um, they every day, the retail store will monitor feedback from from a select group of customers. And then they'll gather all the employees from different areas together to assess the good and the bad. They will never call out individuals, maybe if there's a performance issue. They'll always do, do this in a team-focused team, uh, session. Um, and then secondly, they will also, every three to four months, they'll do these employee um, satisfaction, engagement, promoter uh, surveys. To, and they'll, they'll use both sets of da- data to you know, maintain their high performance, but also fix things. And which company is this again? Apple. Yep. Yep. It's called NPP, Net Promoter for People. But, I mean, there's some some data on this from a few years ago. They're pretty secretive, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Um, But it's, it's been a pretty successful formula for them. And to your um, point, uh, it's it sounds as though that um, the the correlation between sort of this these high scores in terms of employees being willing to to recommend uh, correlating with high growth. If you're just joining us, um, our guest is Kevin Ran- Randall. He's a writer and a brand advocate uh, and consultant. Um, Kevin, it's it's you've uh, an amazing writer. You've written for the New York Times, for Vanity Fair, for the Economist. Of of the articles that you've written in the last uh, year or so, are any um, some of the research that you've done shed any additional light on this topic in terms of uh, people and uh, businesses and how they're thinking about uh, social? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, so I, I write about how neuroscience is being implied not only in marketing and and advertising and communications, but in other areas that you know some might consider bigger, such as improving healthcare, um, uh, optimizing talent and, and human resources. Um, but I, I think the tie-in to social employment advocacy is that um, you know there's there, there's more and more persuasive evidence that we are emotional creatures. We make right decisions and are buying decisions based on things we're not even aware of um, it, it, that are operating in the non-conscious. And I think there's more more evidence and, and more good good data, and I think the, the leading companies follow this, that, strong, that um, high-performing brands are based on, you know, not only great business models and, and products and services, but um, in, in a, an emotional, an emotional-based um emotion-based vision. And I, I, I think I talk about in the afterword, 
you know, this brand Trinity, that employees need to, especially millennials, they want to have a stake the company is going. Um, they not only intellectually have to buy in and um, with their mind, but also their heart, you know, their passion. And then spiritually, they want to know that that company, that brand is solving a problem and doing good in the world. And I call it, so I call that the brand Trinity. And so I, that gets to um, sort of this higher order you asked about the neuroscience well mm-hmm. you know our decisions are our decision where who to work for how to represent that brand and, and what kind of products and services to buy are, are based on non-conscious factors so that's that's the tie-in interesting and it, it it is certainly something that we've seen in the the research that we've done for for our book as well beyond advertising and um, part of the notion is that it's it's beyond advertising because it's not just externally facing and the communications the content the the uh, the material the conversations are are heard both inside and outside and I think uh, you talked about GE and there's a number of companies who are really able to see um, that this is this is a whole new way of thinking about their employees I think I think it also holds true for B2B companies. And um, I know we had a caller earlier asking about that. But at the end of the day, the, the people within B2B companies are actually human, too. And so with yes. emotions yes. Um, and having worked at AT&T for many years on yeah. the B2B side, um, I know I know that very, very well. But um, but we just have a, about a minute or so left, Kevin. And I just had sort of one last question. I think um, uh, Cheryl and Mark posed this one, and I really liked it. If you If you had to come up with a tattoo, we're going to make it shorter than a tweet because 140 yes. characters a tattoo would be too big. Uh, what would you say for people who are considering um, this notion of social employee and, and really having having it at the uh, a core part of their branding? If I had to make a tattoo, I'm sorry. This is why I had it their question and not because <laughs> it's kind of wild. Kevin, think of a like tattoo. It. Okay, what would make you – what? What would you wear as a branding guy? And you've that you really want that, people to, to take a look at and say, "Here's here's what I here's what it stands for." I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not following the question. No, uh, I think I think, I think maybe a different way of asking it is um, because I don't have any tattoos. I probably wouldn't wouldn't put anything. But but I think it's sort of like, what's the shortest way that you can uh, articulate? What's in it for executives to really be thinking about getting into this uh, notion of social employee and social business? Oh, so boil it down to a word or a phrase. Yep. Yes, yes. With with um, and you're a naming guy, Kevin. Tw- tw- with uh, twenty seconds. <laughs> well, the the clock is ticking. Um, I think emotion drives the bottom line. There you go. I there love that. That's great, and Good I think one. and I think that puts it at the heart of the matter, so to speak, right? Uh, oh, get it? Heart. And, yeah, <laughs> and that, that people that people have Kevin. heart. People do. Great that's, job, that's Kevin. Wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you super so job. much, Kevin Randall. Yeah, sorry for, for the bad connections. Here. No, no, no. no. Thanks for thanks Thank for calling you. back in, um, and uh, we we hope to get you back on, especially if you have another article. We'd love to uh, to chat with you about it. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If listeners want to keep up with Kevin, check him out at, on Twitter, at Kevin Randall. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge with our listeners. We've heard from Mark and Cheryl Burgess, who are the co-authors of 
uh, the social employee and uh, co-run Blue Focus Marketing. Uh, management guru and uh, author Tom Peters, very honored to have him on board. David Edelman of McKinsey and Company with the incredible experience and um, the fantastic writer Kevin Randall, uh, brand strategy consultant as well. Thanks also to our audio engineer, Dan Baker, our producer, Michelle Stucker, uh, Kelly Rhodes and Jerry Wind who helped me run the Future of Advertising program. And thank you for, for tuning in and thanks to our callers, Millicent and Ben, for calling in today. If you want to learn more about the Wharton Future of Advertising program, please check us out, wfoa.wharton.upenn.edu or on Twitter at WhartonFOA. Once again, I'm Katherine Hayes and you've been listening to Marketing Matters, Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 